Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Action Network. Huge, huge show today. I mean that with all sincerity. I'm not just doing like typical podcast huge show today. Later on in the show, Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio, a legend. He has built himself into a legend in the state of Kentucky, all things Kentucky sports, specifically Kentucky Wildcats basketball. Matt uh, and Drew Franklin, uh, his colleague at Kentucky Sports Radio, are going to be covering the tournament uh, as well as everything through the Kentucky Derby for the Action Network. And so he's going to come on. He's going to talk about uh, college basketball with us as one of his very first duties as a uh, newly minted member of the team. Before we get to Matt Jones, my favorite person in the world. From the Orleans, ripping all the books in the state of Nevada for Boyd Gaming, Mr. Bob Scucci. My brother from another mother, what is going on? Oh man, how's it how's it been going with you? I missed you. Yeah, it's been a while since uh, we did one of these. I have felt like uh, I've been unmoored since uh, the football season ended, and while I've enjoyed doing the podcasts, and Blackjack is doing a great job with Paul Duca once a week, um, I have sort of felt like, wait, I'm not talking to Scooch today. That's what I felt like. <laughs> you need a dose. You need a dose of. Scooch. I need a little hit of scooch. I did get to have a hit of scooch uh, several times over the last week because I have been watching the video for The Favorites by The Scoodles on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and type in The Favorites and Scoodles, that's S-K-O-O-T-L-E-S, you can see the video that Scooch made about the podcast with his band with a random picture of Jay Cornegay from the Westgate in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> not sure why that happened. Uh, and then I played it for my wife the other night, and she's like, that is so fun. You know, she's not really interested in anything that has to do with me. So the <laughs> fact that it might have been because like you were sort of centerpiece, but yeah. I don't know, do we have a clip? Are we playing a clip of it right now? What's happening? Are we going to, we're going to try it. Okay. What'd Matt, you th- so you, you, what'd you think of it? You think it was all right? That was fucking amazing. I loved it. So creative, <laughs> so smart. Like, it sounded great. It was smooth. I felt like I was listening to the Beatles sing about me. There you go. That, that was our intent. I liked it. <laughs> and the guys were like, you know, the, the, the song was finished a few weeks ago, so the guys were, like, killing me. They're, they're hey, what, is, what does Chad think of it? What does he think of the, the, the song? And I was like, I, he'll, he'll listen to it when he gets around to it. You know, I don't know. So, so typical uh, you, by the way, to not text me nonstop and be like, dude, we wrote a freaking song, listen to it, and like just sort of randomly bring it up. You brought it up. We were, we were on the phone, I don't know, last week. And you're like, hey, what do you think? Of that? Like literally we're on the phone for 25 minutes talking about eight different things. And you bring it up at the very end as if it like was a by the way. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was a by the way. It was a by the way, but it's important to your guys. And now, guess what? Yeah. On a national podcast, making their debut, 
the hit makers, Bob Scucci and the Scoodles. I mean, come on. Wednesday morning, we're on the set. That yeah. is so good. <laughs> yeah, I tried to make it a little relevant to the show. Well, I would appreciate it since you were writing a song about the show. <laughs> yeah, and Scootle Larry had that nice up- upbeat melody, and uh, Scootle Ray put the stuff together, and got Scoodle Bob and Scoodle Steve, so I got I got to give everyone props. Way to go. Way to go, Scoodles. Way to go, the entire team. We love it. If you want to check out more of the song, go to YouTube, type in uh, The Favorites and Scoodles, S-K-O-O-T-L-E-S, Scoodles. Here are The Favorites, a podcast song written by Bob and his team. Well done, Mr. Scoochie. Well done. I think people are really going to appreciate that. In the year of kindness, that's all for you. It's like, you're the only one who's playing. <laughs> kind of like New Year's resolutions by, by February. Everyone's, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, honest to God. No one, no one's being very kind. Hey, listen, I'll tell you what is kind. We're going to have a big college basketball yeah. show. I mentioned that Matt Jones is going to come on uh, in a little bit, probably about 15, 20 minutes. Um, you happen to have, uh, Vegas itself is hosting a whole bunch of uh, college basketball tournaments, conference tournaments next week. Uh, you're yep. going to have, uh, at the um, at the Orleans, you're going to have the West Coast Conference Tournament, so Gonzaga, which is going to be great because they're probably going to run away with that thing. And then you're also yep. going to have, uh, what is it, the WAC? The WAC, yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot of smaller schools that you know, I'm probably not familiar with, but that's, that's another good tournament. So how does it work then, when those uh, happens? Can you guys take bets on those games? Some of them we can and some of them we can't. Now, the West Coast Conference is a little tricky because, you know, we make deals with the conference themselves. And a lot of times they request that the teams be not on the board because the arena is so close to the sports book. They just prefer not their players to see the names of the team on the board. So a lot of times what we'll do, just at the Orleans alone, we'll we'll prohibit betting on those games, but uh, we'll still take them uh, at our other properties. So as long as they're not on the board at the Orleans, we're okay. And that's more of a request from the, from the conference in our deal with, with them, more so than any regulations. So financially, it must be worth it for you guys, because like, what's the value in taking <laughs> those games off the board if you're not going to sort of make it up on the other side, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's a trade-off. And to be honest with you, we don't know how we're going to come out if we booked them. You know, the last, the last time we did book some of those teams, we got destroyed, you know, because 90% of the arena is going to be filled up with, you know, either Gonzaga or, or, or St. Mary's uh, fans. And uh, one of those two teams generally wins that tournament. And, and lately, had we booked 
uh, last year we would have gotten crushed on on Gonzaga. All right, the other the other team that's playing in Vegas, but not at uh, the Orleans, is Nevada, which yeah. uh, has completely just sort of very interesting few days for them. I thought Nevada and Paul Duca is like before college basketball started. Paul Duca uh, was just talking up Nevada like none other, thinking they'd be undefeated. And then you know the preseason rankings come out. Everybody's on Nevada. They've lost three games, I think. Last weekend was insanity with the player punching the fire extinguisher and the court storming. How do you take into account volatility for a team like that when they are getting into their conference tournament? Well, I mean, you have to take you know kind of how they how they've been playing recently, and and that that's one of the factors. But it, as long as they have the key personnel in the game, uh, that kind of that's how we derive their power ratings to be begin with. I mean, as long as that core doesn't change, we can't change it too much. I mean, there's really two seasons. There's the, there's the, uh, the, you know, the season prior to the tournament and then the tournament. And I can't tell you how many times we've adjusted odds significantly from the, the last day of the regular season for, for these teams. And then once they go into the tournament and we kind of look at the seating and we look at the brackets, uh, you know, teams that finish up the year 18 to one can suddenly become 12 to one because they have an easy bracket or, or vice versa A team that finished, you know, eight to one or seven to one may jump up to 15 to one. So, um, you know, how we treat it, it, it we try not to over adjust, but there's, you know, a slight adjustment. And a lot of it's just based on, on the public perception. Like you were just saying how, how people perceive the team to be playing. Okay. We're going to get back to the podcast in one second, but first let me tell you about Roman guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something else, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself, no joke. My 12-year-old kneed me in the side about three weeks ago. It still kills. I'm fairly certain there's internal bleeding. My wife tells me to go to the doctor. I'm like, I'm fine, or I'll die. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Not the death, just not seeing doctors. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com favorites. Fill out a brief medical onboarding chat with a doctor. Get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go online and get checked by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle, but with Roman, it's really easy. So take care of it. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com slash favorites. That's GetRoman.com slash favorites for a free online visits. GetRoman.com slash favorites. Let's get back to the podcast. No bigger story in college basketball than the return of Zion Williamson. How do you measure his impact going forward? Do you, does it matter? Like, is Duke such a public team that people are going to bet on him no matter what? How do you, how do you account for all this? 
Well, he's the best player in the country. I mean, you have to adjust for it. They were good without him, but they're great with him. Um, you know, I, they, they asked me in one of the local shows uh, early this year if I if I put made a line between Duke this year and UNLV from 1990, what would I make the line? And I said I'd make Duke a, a favorite against that team, one of the greatest teams of all time. And they keep rubbing my nose in it every time Duke loses a game. Uh, but but I still think they're the best. Uh, team in the country and with Zion I mean they're a great team so uh, you, you, ha- you have to adjust for that that's that's one of the biggest uh, adjustments you, you know in, in all of college basketball I mean I'm not saying anything revelatory here it's what you want to hear your podcast host say but <laughs> you know for years Duke has been one of those teams that wise guys kind of hate because they are great during the regular season and then they go into the tournament and they're so streaky because of their three-point shooting that you can't get a good read on them. And so I have heard for years, you know, certainly our friend Alan Boston, like, hates Coach K, hates playing yeah. Duke. Um, you know, the more obscure team with the coach who's a genius, the better for, for Boston. But um, I got to get Boston on a podcast before the tournament. You really should. I mean, that's another perspective. <laughs> Problem is, like, I think he's mad at me. <laughs> he might be. You never know. You know, I feel like he's mad at me, and I can't figure out why. I'll text him. I'll you, text him, and I'll see if I can get him. You don't call him enough. That's the problem. You don't call him. Honestly, enough. that might be it. But yeah. uh, if I bring him on the podcast, you gotta come on too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know how much I could add to what he's what he's going to say. I'm bringing but, you on next sure. week. I'm bringing, I'm bringing okay. you both on next week. That's what's going to happen. We're going to okay. figure that out. Um, but Duke, when Zion's playing, R.J. Barrett, like, that team's a different team. It's a much more athletic, much more inside-out team than I think it normally is. Like, is that a team that scares you when you get to the tournament? Duke? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as the, vol- the, the volatility. Uh, but, but generally, volatility is usually good for us in the tournament because the, the public perception, they're going to be on them no matter what. So anytime... They don't cover, and any of the the, the top teams that uh, when they don't cover, it's going to be good for the sports book. So we're looking for a little volatility. Um, generally, if we get, you know, uh, in the final four, if we get the one seeds and the two seeds, it's usually not too good for us. We need at least one team that's a that's a much higher seed or lower seed, the way you look at it. Uh, you know, it's for for a little parity in there, uh, that's usually good for the sports books. Who's scaring you the most right now? Uh, Gonzaga. Why? Uh, yeah, that's one. I mean, as far as far as like who, a team that wins when they win, we get crushed. Yeah. Uh, that that's what that's the way I'm looking at it. You know, and I just see it. And maybe it's because we just have such a following here on the West Coast, and maybe I'm just looking at our Las Vegas uh, sports books, and maybe I need to start looking at some of the sports books around the country. But uh, right now, when they cover, we get we get destroyed. So there's just a, just such this. Over this big following, a lot of it's just uh, sentimental uh, reasons. But uh, I mean, they have a great team. But that's that's one of the team that that scares me. And if they go deep into it, we're not going to have a good tournament. Really? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're They're just, just so th- popular right now out here. Well, look, they were number one for a lot, for a big part of the year. They beat Duke early in the year. Uh, they're one of those teams that you can't even. You know, I know this is sort of in vogue many many years ago, but. They can't be one of those mid-major 
surprises. Like they get top flight athletes. Mark Few is an amazing coach. Uh, they are having their runs in the tournament. Why would you have such a liability on them? Why would you even make them big enough to have a liability before the season? Um, well, I'm, I'm not really looking at it from the futures perspective as much as game by game. I, it's not that we get crushed with the futures on it. So if that's what you were asking me, I'd have to, I'd have to point to, to, to another team. But, uh, um, you know, probably uh, t- Tennessee or, or North Carolina, we probably lose a little bit more than uh, Gonzaga in terms of, like, futures. I'm just looking, like, game by game when they, went, when they win and cover. It's just a big loss for us. Yeah, I guess that's an interesting. I hadn't. It's so funny. Like, you get into the tournament and you start thinking about betting, and like, there's a dichotomy. Everyone thinks about the brackets, so you think about betting, but people aren't making their picks in the brackets against the spread. They're making them straight right. up, and yet, yeah. betters don't play brackets nearly as often, but they're betting every single one of those games. <laughs> yeah. Except the yeah. committee like screws over betters. It's almost like, do you think the committee spends a lot of time thinking about, for lack of a better term, Vegas rankings? And they end up, you know, for years they would pit like Gonzaga against Butler, two bet on teams that the wise guys are dying to see like the lower seated team that nobody knows against the higher seated team that is a public team. And you rarely get those matchups anymore. Loyola last year was like, Loyola Miami was one of those few early round matchups where you were getting a bet on team against a high profile team. Yeah, and I can't speak to how the committee's uh, line of thinking is. I, I just look at um, sometimes it seems like it's coincidence, and it may be not. But uh, you know, you look at any tournament setup, even even the conference tournaments. It's kind of structured so that the two best teams play each other in the final round. So it's not a stretch to think that maybe that's how they want the entire tournament to pan out is they want the higher profile teams to, to face each other in the later rounds. They don't want to knock out the best teams early on. Uh, even if it means some of these smaller schools or mid majors going deep into the tournaments. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a, a lot of it is driven by some ratings and what you want to see, what, what the public's uh, appetite is. So I, I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of that is happening. How much more interesting would, the seedings potentially be if a bookmaker was allowed in to help with the seedings, to give an entirely different perspective. I think eventually that's what you're going to see. I think once all the states opt in and, and you see sports betting in every state and, we, and they, they drop a lot of the barriers and, and drop a lot of the kind of you know, pretend that we want to keep the arms distance and, and everything. We used to be part of some of the polling, and I think it makes a difference. Like, in other words, when I say part of the polling, there used to be like the AP poll and the coaches poll. Uh, there were some groups that used to look at a Vegas bookmakers poll because it, it would be a more accurate reflection of who the favored teams would be. And, and not to say who would win, but let's say the rankings, you know, the number one team loses a close game and suddenly that number one team is you know, number four now. It doesn't mean that that team wouldn't be favored in every single game it played the rest of the year. So, you know, that's what Vegas is looking at. Okay, the, this team lost a game, but we still have them a five-point favorite over the number two team. So, I think eventually it's going to uh, be a valuable tool in terms of who Vegas or who the odds makers thinks are the best teams. The seedings would be so much better if a bookmaker was in there 
to help direct which brackets, which what the matchups should be? I, I definitely think so. I, I think that kind of input is helpful to kind of uh, the sports better who, I mean, the fans, the, the ratings, I think everybody. I mean, I, I think it would be a valuable tool. Since you are now practically bookmaker to the world, and uh, the NCAA has been nominally progressive over the years in the way it approaches sports betting, like maintaining relationships with bookmakers to understand what the action is, using bookmakers as sort of the canaries in the coal mine on point shaving and things like that. Like, I could see the NCAA being thoughtful about having a bookmaker in the room. That's a really interesting idea. Can I claim that idea? Can I claim like being the first person to think of that? Absolutely. Yeah, I think you did. I, I think, and you should probably push for it. I'll push for it on my end. You know, I'll, I'll try and uh, devise a committee that'll help out. And then when the NCAA wants to reach out, we'll give them the committee names and, and we can go from there. Well, after the seedings, if we don't like it, let's start a campaign on the Twitter. Okay. Would that yeah, get you to, like it. Would that get you to join Twitter? Yeah, okay, maybe. <laughs> that sounds like a maybe. no, Scooch. We'll do a Boyd Gaming Twitter account. That sounds like it's a no. That sounds like <laughs> it's a no. Get your time ready for Wednesday. Scooch will be on the Twitter. Yeah, that's a good tune. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to produce that, that song for you. Ray is going to be like, what an idiot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yep. Ray's not going to be happy with me after that. Uh, Google Ray is going to be very mad. You're going to get a couple of emails. I'll tell you that. There's no. I like how you call each other, you call everybody Scoodle Ray, Scoodle Bob. <laughs> it's like you're twins, yeah, right? and and we need to distinguish you. Yeah. <laughs> in when you're in like jam sessions, do you say, "Hey, Scoodle Ray, what do you think of this chord?" <laughs> We have we have worse nicknames that I probably can't repeat. Really? Yeah. That's fun. Say one. There, there's, Give me one. There's there's strudel. Oh God. By the way, strudel is yeah. what like my old Jewish bubby would name her dog. That's like every old Jew in my family names their dog after like you know Jewish food. There's a strudel. Right. There's a kugel. There's a gefilte fish. There's a matzo ball. <laughs> there's a roast chicken that has no flavor. It's like there's no schmucks, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Only the humans are schmucks. The dogs okay. are treated with kindness and reverence. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, like a mensch. Who's strudel? Are you strudel? No, I'm not strudel. You know, I might be strudel. I don't even know who our nicknames are anymore. I know there's a wet noodle. Who's that? <laughs> Uncle Ray. <laughs> well, that's why Uncle Ray is going to call me and be pissed about the song that I made up. Yeah, yeah. Here's the other. Here's the other thing we got to work on, Scooch. What What's are we that? going to do with the Lakers? Oh, man, they're in. Uh, they're in a bit of disarray, huh? What are? What do you think the odds are on Luke Walton returning as coach? I would uh, I would make him probably a 
four to one favorite that he does not return. Four to so, one. Yeah. Uh, what if you had to hang? And by the way, some of these questions are courtesy of some of them, all of them, of Uncle Matt, Uncle Matt Mitchell, one of our uh, audio geniuses at the Action Network. If you had to hang it right now, what would you put the Lakers' win total for next season? Man, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, right now, probably does he, did he did he already put one up? No, Uncle Matt, Matt. Uncle Matt Mitchell isn't a bookmaker, Scooch. He works with the Action Network. <laughs> well, I'm just curious if he made one, but uh, let's see. Right now, based on the same personnel, just right now, uh, forty-four. Forty-four. How many wins yeah. do they have right now? I'm checking. I'm on the Google. Just to make sure. Lakers have 30. 30 wins with 18. Wow, they're not even going to... Their season total before it started was 48. They're at 30, and there are, what, 18 games left in the season. The Lakers yeah. ain't going 18-0, and 0, Scooch. No. No. What was your liability, over or under on the 48? Uh, they pounded it over. You are going to win some dinero. Win some bucks. We're going to win some bucks there. You're going to win some. Maybe someone should be nicknamed Bucks in the uh, in the Scoodles. Ooh, good, yeah, definitely. All right, listen. I got to call Matt Jones. He's our new superstar okay. at the Action Network. I can't keep him waiting. Um, no, no, give him a call. It was great to reconnect with you, buddy. Thank you for doing Same that. Here. Thank you for doing that song. Okay. All right. See you, buddy. Take care. Before we get back to the podcast, I want to talk about Audible. Could listening make you a better parent, a better leader, even a better person? Could listening to motivating fitness programs get you fit? Could listening inspire you to start something new? Let me tell you something. There's never been a better time to start listening on Audible. With Audible, you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivational books, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, more such as books by Chad Millman, who's written seven books and is a four-time bestseller. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, and now with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members. Like, for example, I think you guys would love reading Invincible, the story of Vince Papali, the oldest rookie in the history of the NFL. Audible members by Chad Millman. Audible members can choose three titles every month, one audiobook and two audio Audible Originals you can't hear anywhere else. Audible members also get access to exclusive audio fitness programs to start the new year off on the right foot. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere, at home, at the gym, on your commute, or just on the go. You'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchanges, rollover credits, and an audiobook library you keep forever, even if you cancel. Audible, the most inspiring minds, the most compelling stories, the best place to listen. Get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash action or text action to 500-500 and listen for a change. That's audible.com slash action or text action to 500-500. Let's get back to listening to the show. All righty. As promised, my next guest on... The favorites joining us from Kentucky Sports Radio, joining the Action Network 
for a spell during college basketball and through the Kentucky Derby. Mr. Matt Jones, applause, 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 applause. What's going on, brother? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I could hear the applause all the way here in Kentucky. It was very exciting. I feel like I walk around with applause ringing in my ears all day. That's how I get through it. Well, good. I, it must be nice. I walk around with a lot of people screaming obscenities at me, so it ends up working out really well. I don't think that's true. Like, in Kentucky, you need to describe to people, like, what a big deal you've become in Kentucky in a way that, like, I would imagine most people listening to this podcast know just because, you know, you do regular appearances on Barstool and you're on ESPN a bunch and you hosted a show on ESPN Radio all season and you fill in for all football season, you fill in for Feinbaum a lot. But, like, explain to people what you have created with Kentucky Sports Radio, which is truly astounding uh, in its popularity and, like, a from the bootstraps guy who's passionate about sports and media, uh, making a, what I like to call, and we do this segment a lot on this podcast, a you bet your life stand on his own talent and ingenuity. Well, so about 15 years ago now, which it's crazy to think it's that long, I was an attorney and, you know, blogs and, and sort of websites that were not just newspaper based were, were kind of just taking off. I know that sounds crazy. It's like, wasn't that long ago, but it really was true in like 2003, 2004. And I started uh, Kentucky Sports Radio really just as a way to have fun with my friends and kind of, uh, you know, write about UK athletics and just to be sort of goofy. It started as a blog that looked like you created it on, you know, old school Windows 95. And it slowly got more and more popular. It sort of followed with the rise of blogs. So a lot of sites like Deadspin and even early Barstool was around that time. And they just kind of slowly sort of became a thing. And we kind of rode that wave. And then Kentucky, John Calipari got here and it became a huge Kentucky basketball took off. And, and I created a, a, a radio show that had the same name as the website. And over time, we've just kind of created a little mini Kentucky sort of empire here with a radio, a TV show, a daily TV show, a website. We now have a sports bar. And it's been, it's been a really awesome, awesome experience here. But it really just started with me in my basement with my friend Hubby going, hey, let's do something fun because my legal job is too boring. So let's try this. And it just kind of took off. What was the first story you wrote? That's a great question. The very first story I wrote was about, it was during, I don't know the first story, but it was Tubby Smith at the end of Tubby Smith's time in Lexington. And it was kind of those years were like, is it time for Tubby to move on and, and sort of those debates. And I, we really blew up when we blew up was Patrick Patterson who now plays in the NBA for the Thunder. Yeah. His high school recruitment came down to Kentucky, Florida, and North Carolina. And he just kind of thought we were funny because we were two goobers. And he gave us, like, all of his inside scoops, and he broke his uh, commitment on my podcast. And, like, that was really when the state of Kentucky really took notice of us, and we just kind of rode that wave. That is insane. Why do, how do you think he found you? That That's nuts. Well, so we went to an AAU – event okay so now like everything i'm saying makes me sound 900 years old yeah but like when i went to aau events in like 05 06 07 
there weren't as many like reporters. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't YouTube. There wasn't all this stuff where like people just showed up and asked everybody questions. So most of the people that went to events were just like reporters, you know, I mean, they were just like old school reporters and we went in and we did something that now everybody does, but that back then people didn't do, which was, we asked him like about American Idol and, you know, about rap and stuff. And like, he now everybody does that but back then we were kind of the only ones doing it and so he just thought we were much more fun than talking to the sort of regular tv and and sports writer guys and so he would come on our show and you know we weren't that much older than him and so it was kind of it was just a way to do something different and now i've done it so long i'm the old guy asking those questions but when i started i was much younger and so it was easier to connect but like here's what's interesting to me you want to start a blog and you choose a name, Kentucky yeah. Sports Radio, which mm-hmm. is like so sort of analog. Well, you want to know why I did that? Yeah, I do. It was very simple. I thought the idea, I've been a big believer throughout life. If you don't have it, act like you have it. So I learned that I, I literally, the night we created it, we were trying to think of a name. And I was like, how about Kentucky Sports Radio? That way, if we ever apply for press credentials, they'll think we're an actual radio show. And we did. And so we got press credentials for, like, now people credential blogs. But back then, they didn't. So, like, we would apply as Kentucky Sports Radio, and people just assumed it was a radio show. And the idea was, okay, well, maybe one day we'll be a radio show, but we'll fake it till we make it. And we actually got credentialed for events because they thought we were a radio show, even though we weren't. When were you making enough that you could quit being a lawyer? took a long time. I mean, it took probably five years. And then, you know, like, again, there was a lot of luck involved. Like, it was the perfect timing. Like, I don't think you could start a blog now and really have success unless you have a lot of money behind it, you know, seed capital or something. I just don't think you can do it nowadays. But back then, you could kind of do it because the Internet, people didn't, it wasn't as saturated with information. And so we, but it still took a long time. I mean, the idea, I remember in 2010, when I sort of quit practicing law and decided to do radio and the web, selling Internet advertising was almost impossible. Like nobody would buy it. And we had these huge traffic numbers and people still wouldn't buy it. So even for my first couple years of doing it in like 2010, 11, really, I made no money. I just sort of lived off barely getting by. And really starting in about 2012, the Internet as a resource to make money had really kind of risen a lot. And then Kentucky won the national championship. And so we really were, we rode that wave. The New York Times did a feature on us. And all of a sudden, then it became more of an elaborate business. I love this story. Well, it's, it, it's, it's unique. I mean, and here's the thing. This is what I love about it. The owner, the co-owner and I were college friends. Almost all of the early writers of mine were just college friends of mine, and they had other jobs. My, the guys that I hired in 2009 and 10, and, the, and men and women, basically all still work on it we've kind of like people love it because it's like fun and so it's not it's a business it now makes a like we do very well but it's still the same people and we still kind of all act the same and we were all friends before this and we're still kind of friends now and it's just been 
it's been a blast, and it hasn't gotten so big that it's become annoying. It's been like right at the perfect level of you can make a really good living and have fun and take care of everybody, but you don't get the headaches uh, sometimes when things get huge. So it's been great. How do you resist the temptation to try to play outside your lane? Well, I, I, I do play outside my lane, first no, of all. But I mean, I, you you know, do, but like as a as a media personality individually, right? Like this has been a platform for you. Yeah, as a media personality. Going on yes, Finebound, but like Kentucky Sports Radio, you could have yeah. decided, you know what? We've built a following. We're Kentucky, but that's SEC. So maybe we should be doing more. Yeah, I think that's a mistake. I read a book many years ago, Chad, called – this was in the early 2000s. And I thought, and it it probably was one of the best books I ever read. Now, some of it's dated now, but it was called Jihad versus McWorld. And the theory of the book was that as the internet and everything grew, there were going to be two significant forces. Force one were going to be these mega corporations that got huge and became massive and a huge part of our lives. And we've seen that with Amazon, Google, et cetera. But then phase two was there would be this hyper-local thing. And, and they talked about it in the, in the context of war with, you know, t- jihad, et cetera. But the idea also applies to media, which is people are either going to want the biggest platforms or they're going to want something that's hyper-local that they can't get anywhere else. And where you fail is in the middle when you try to be a little bit of both. Like, that just doesn't work. So I think one of the things that I learned is, okay, if you try to cover the whole SEC, I don't really think that works. But if you cover your team, that's good because the readers really care about your team. And, and I could give you a many, many different areas of news that I think this is true, but I really believe this. I think people now either turn on the mega corporation or the hyper-individualized, the thing I really care about corporation. And the ones in between are the ones that the new economy has really struggled with. And we have stayed in that small lane. So people have tried to buy us out. I mean, I'm one of the last really independent, really successful blogs. I mean, how many more can you think of that, that, that don't have any national affiliation? We don't. And I think it's because I found this market and I felt like if I merged with anyone else, it would dilute my product so much that my fans would hate it. So I was just like, I'll just keep doing it. And it's worked out pretty well for it. That is such discipline. Yeah, well, but it's, it's hard because people were offering money that at the time was a lot of money to me. And I wasn't making money, really. And so it had to be I – mean, I watched as virtually every college sports blog that was worth anything sold themselves to SB Nation – to Rivals, to Scout, to Yahoo, 24-7. Like, they all got bought up, every one of them. And there are only a handful of us left. I mean, I used to know a bunch of them, and some of them have even sold up. And I'm one of the last ones, and the reason was, like, once you get into that, it becomes a job. And I was like, you know what? I quit this stuff to have a job. I want to run it as my thing. And so I hung on. And, and, and you know, well, I hang on forever as independent. I don't know, but it's hard to see letting go because, again, go back to my Jihad versus McWorld theory, I think it's those middle organizations that are not succeeding. ESPN will always succeed, right? But I think, and, and I think local stuff succeeds. I think the regional stuff are the ones that struggle. 
Well, I don't disagree with you, obviously. Like, I left ESPN and went to action because I felt like going to a place that, or helping to start a place that is singular in focus and obsessive about one particular thing can... And see, that's what's brilliant about yeah, it, Chad. Like super what serving you all, What you all did is exactly what we did with Kentucky. As you said, okay, rather than be sports, I'm going to be sports gambling. And it's like, perfect, right there. Like, nobody's really filling this void. We'll do it. And that's where the future lies. And people ask me all the time, like, how do I get to have your job? And I'm like, you're too late for my job. My job is gone. I hit the right time for that. Now your job is to see what's the thing that no one's doing that people are going to care about. And I think what you guys did is brilliant because you hit one of those, those voids. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Uh, let's talk about sports for a minute, okay? Yes. Tell me about this Kentucky team. What am I to make of this Kentucky team right now as we head into the SEC tournament? What am I to make of them as a better, and what am I to make of them as someone who is thinking about brackets? Really good, but not perfect. So as a better, I would say that they are a very difficult team to gamble on because you don't know what you're going to get. I am a huge fan of in-game wagering. Drew Franklin basically has taught me into it. It's all I do anymore. And in-game wagering for Kentucky is very easy because they're always going to fall behind and they're always going to come back. But the but they, Vegas has really hit spreads pretty much dead on with Kentucky. They just – they're not consistent. Now, I do think in terms of brackets, they are one of five teams that can win the championship if everything goes perfectly. I think the winner of the title is coming out of Duke, Kentucky – uh, Virginia, Gonzaga, and Tennessee. One of those five teams is winning. And I think Kentucky is right there. The thing about those five teams is two of them are going to end up in the same bracket, and that's going to be really bad for one of those two uh, two programs. And I'm worried Kentucky's going to be one of those two. But I like the way Kentucky plays. I think as as a gambler, I would say with Kentucky, stay away from them until Reed Travis comes back because they're still getting the benefit with the lines of having a full roster and they don't. And so I think they're like, I want to say maybe one and five against the spread in the last games. Wait till he comes back before you really go all in on it. All right. So you mentioned Kentucky, you mentioned Tennessee, you mentioned Virginia, you mentioned Duke uh, and Gonzaga and Gonzaga. I don't have future bets on any of those teams. I have future bets on Marquette, Kansas State, Houston, and Washington. I don't mind the Houston one. I mean, I think Houston, I I think the other three just don't have the athletes to win the whole thing, but Houston does. Um, You know, I got Kentucky at 28 to 1 right after the Duke game uh, because betters just jumped off of Kentucky for a while because they look so bad. They lost to Duke, they lost to Seton Hall. And I still thought the talent was there. Um, but I, I like your Houston one. There's a scenario, I think, where Houston uh, could find its way into the Final Four. And then once you're in the Final Four, you never know what will happen. So I, uh, the key for Houston is there's going to be a team go to if, – if you don't believe in Gonzaga, and there's a lot of people that don't, if I – when the bracket comes out, I would find the three, four, five, or six-seeded uh, team in the West – and take them because I think they'll have the easiest path to the final four if you don't believe in Gonzaga. And because of the pod theory, there's a good chance Houston will be in the three in the West. So I don't think that's a terrible one. 
wow, you just blew my mind with all the ways in which Houston can get to the Final Four and make me some money. Well, Houston is the three seed in the West. is very likely to happen. And again, if you don't believe in Gonzaga, and a lot of people don't, then they got as good a shot as anybody at getting to the Final Four from the West. All right, so Kentucky is an interesting team to me because they've been so inconsistent this year. And like I thought when they blew out Tennessee uh, a couple weeks ago at home, I thought, all right, They've sort of gotten over their middle-of-the-season hump. They're fine-tuned. They're ready to roll. And then they go to Tennessee and get blown out. And maybe that was just like a bad spot for Kentucky because they had been riding high and they came in and they were on the road in sort of a different spot. And, you know, Tennessee had the revenge scenario there. But which which Kentucky team do you think is the team that gets to the tournament? What does Coach Cal do to make sure they are the team that beat Tennessee? Well, first, got to get 100% healthy. I mean, Reed Travis, the one senior on the team, one of the few seniors Cal's ever had, uh, has been out for the last four games. He's supposed to play on senior day on Saturday. And if he does, I think that makes the team a lot closer to the team that played in Lexington than the, or, than the one that played in Knoxville. But the other thing is Tennessee's really good, and, they, and they're just not going to lose at home. I mean, they haven't lost a home game in two years. So I just I, I didn't think Kentucky was going to win that no matter what. The game to watch is in the SEC tournament. The SEC tournament is going to be in Nashville. It's going to be only Kentucky and Tennessee fans because the SEC fans don't come to the SEC tournament except Kentucky and then this year Tennessee. They're going to end up playing in the semifinals on Saturday. And I think that game is going to be for the number one seed. It's going to basically be a neutral court. It'll be about half Tennessee fans, half Kentucky fans. That's the game to watch. I think whoever wins that game, is the superior of the two teams and would be a team I would take to go to the final four, because I think both those teams are really good. That'll be an awesome test in what should be one of the good college environment conference tournaments usually are bad environments, but the sec when it's Kentucky and Tennessee and Nashville, that'll be one of the best environments of the year. You mentioned something really interesting to me before you and Drew Franklin, who works with you in Kentucky sports radio, and he's also going to be contributing to the action network, um, writing quite a bit. You mentioned in-game betting, and Drew is a, is a pretty hardcore, very smart better. So tell me what he's been teaching you about in-game betting. Well, I mean, the thing that I like about in-game betting is finding sort of the trends about teams you know. I mean, I, to me, when you really know a team and you've watched them a lot, like Drew and I do with Kentucky and some of the NBA teams, you know the rhythms. Like, you know when they play poorly and when they don't. And because in-game betting, my view is because it's done almost totally, it feels like, with an algorithm and not so much with feel, you can actually outsmart in-game bettors. Now, that's not scientific, but I really feel like you can. So, like, perfect example, last night Kentucky's playing Ole Miss. In the first, it's at, and it's on the road, and within 10 minutes, Kentucky's down eight on the road to Ole Miss. But the thing that you don't know if you just look at that score is that P.J. Washington, Kentucky's best player, has been on the bench with foul trouble. And you don't realize that Kentucky's had wide-open shots. They've just missed them all. And so I look at that. Now all of a sudden I look at the spread, and and Kentucky's getting two all of a sudden, as opposed to have been a a five-and-a-half-point favorite beginning the game. So all of a sudden I'm getting odds just for Kentucky to win the game, and I still feel like they're the much better team with four minutes to go in the first half. That, to me, is an easy play. And when you – Drew and I do it a lot for the NBA in the playoffs because in the playoffs, you know, in the second quarter, 
the best team is almost always losing for some reason. You can make those turnabouts quick. So I always look for disproportionate scores on teams that I know. And Drew's done a really good job. He was the of the two of us. He was the initiator at the in game stuff. And he and I will just text and be like, you know, right now Golden State's down 17 at home to Phoenix, and you know they're coming back. And so it's just a matter of getting in on it at the right time. I love the in-game betting, but I also think for guys like us, it changes everything you do to talk about betting in the pregame, meaning all of a sudden it doesn't matter anymore. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I agree. Listen, Drew and I, you know, we, we for college football and the NBA, he and I have basically stopped betting pregame. Now, college basketball, I actually still think the end game, unless you know the team, is, is a little tougher. But for college football and the NBA, that's basically what he and I do now. And, and I agree with you. It completely changes the way you look at games going into them before it starts. Well, listen, Matt Jones, everybody is going to get a chance to read, hear, listen, follow the stuff that you and Drew and Kentucky Sports Radio I'm doing for the Action Network. I'm super excited. We've been talking about this for a while. I can't wait to get you going. Yes, we're looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, listen, let me say, we don't claim to be experts, but we're like a lot of the people that I'm sure follow the Action Network. We just like to have fun with it. And we've played so much that we've lost doing things that don't work. And so now we, like, actually tried to win some for the first time uh, after many years of not. Winning is the best. Losing is the worst. That's right. And the thing is, I, I'm a big believer in what you said we were going to do some horse racing. The reason I love horse racing and the reason I love the NCAA tournament, there's so much stupid money in the Derby and in the NCAA tournament, and that's where you can actually make money. Let's make some money. There you go. We'll call you Money Matt. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I, have to, I have to keep my humble Kentucky roots. So. That's right. Uh, all right, Matt Jones, thanks for doing this, brother. Talk to you later. No problem. All right, I want to thank Bob Scucci for coming back on The Favorites. I want to thank Matt Jones for coming on The Favorites for the first time and for all the work he's going to do for the Action Network along with Drew Franklin and Kentucky Sports Radio. I am Chad Millman. This has been The Favorites from the Action Network. You can join us twice a week. Me and Blackjack Fletcher will be switching off, but you can always get good info. Go download the Action Network app. Check out actionnetwork.com. Download the podcast and Apple Podcasts, radio.com slash the Action Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.